as we were singing about praising God when he says yes or when he says wait, I was reminded of the word that God has. He says, give me your chronos so that you are in position for the kairos. Meaning, chronos is measured time. It's like there's 24 hours in a day. There's seven days in a week. It's measured time. So he says, give me your chronos. He's saying, give me your time so that you are positioned for the kairos, which is an appointed divine moment that you are in the right place at the right time with the right people for God's divine release from heaven into your life. That was way more exciting to me than how you guys responded. <laughs> when he says wait or when he says yes, sometimes we get discouraged and we think it's not happening. Maybe I'm not praying right. Maybe I'm not doing this right. Maybe I need to, you know, be on my knees until they bleed. Sometimes when God is asking you, if God says, be on your knees until they bleed, then be on your knees till they bleed. But most of the time, what it is, is God is saying everything that I am uh, bringing to pass in a Kairos moment in your life is interwoven with Kairos moments in other people's lives. And it's not just about you. Darren said this, we were standing in the kitchen here a while back and he was talking about miracles breaking loose in our home. And he said, I have to remember this isn't about me. This journey with his health, he said, it's not about me. It's me being in front of a doctor that needs Jesus. It's me being in front of a physician that needs Jesus. It's me being in front of a neurosurgeon that needs Jesus. It's not about just your Kairos moment. Your Kairos moment, I don't know anything about crocheting. Miss Joanne does. But all of the loops and all of the links are interwoven to create something much bigger. All of the loops and all of the things in your life are interwoven with the loops in other people's lives around you to create something so much bigger. So your Kairos moment and your breakthrough isn't just about you. Does God love you and he knows your name? Absolutely. But it's so tied with so many other things. And God, from the beginning of time, knew every moment in every breath in your life and he has a divine kairos moment for you so if he's saying wait it's because the kairos is coming it's not a no he's saying wait because there's other loops and strings that i'm tidying up and i'm bringing all together for the perfection of what he's doing in your life amen amen look at somebody and say god is bringing a kairos moment in my life Say it out loud. God's bringing a Kairos moment in my life. And now stretch your hand towards them and say, I agree for the Kairos moment in your life. Yes. Yes, yes, yes. Thank you, Jesus. Go ahead and be seated for just a moment. Thank you for our worship team. Can you guys just let them know how much we appreciate them? They're amazing. Yeah. And I want to say this because they don't say this. I think it's really cool. And Darren called it a, when our worship team writes their own music and we get to sing it, you called it a first anointing? Yes, first anointing. Am I? Am I? Check, check, check. 
check, 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 there, check, right there check. There it is. Thank you. Uh, <laughs> there's our tithe and offering message right there. Um, yeah, it's, it's, you know, when we write the song, it's first anointing. It, the, the anointing that is on that, the, the presence of God that's on that, it's, it's on it original. It is foundational when we write a song. Amen? When we sing it, when you sing it, it is the first anointing. We sing other people's songs. That's the second. <laughs> no, it's good. It's good. But I, I love that our worship team is starting to write and, and yes. bring some original stuff. Yes, yes, yes. So this morning is first Sunday of the month. And if you are new here at N3C, what we do is we like to pray over our finances and our tithes and offerings on the first Sunday of the month. And this uh, Sunday, I felt particularly impressed. Did you get a card, this little gray card here? A lot of you got it on the way in. If you didn't get one, we have them at the welcome desk and the activities desk in the hospitality area. And this is, uh, I told Darren, I said, I feel like this is what I want to do for our church. I felt really strongly about this. So I really, I felt like God was saying, I want you to do this. And so I'm encouraging you to pick one of these up. And what this is about is throughout our day, uh, every day, 24 seven, we are hearing about the, uh, recession. We're hearing about inflation. We are looking at what gas and diesel costs at the gas station, the price of milk, the price of eggs, the price of everything is going up. And if you are not connected with God in your finances, that can be very, very scary. It can feel overwhelming and it can feel very defeating and it can feel very hopeless. However, we invite God into our health. How many of us pray over our health? And we want God to come in and we want him to bring healing. And we believe in healing. We want God to come into our marriages. And we want God to make our marriages strong. We want God to uh, uh, come into our children's lives and make our children uh, disciples. So we invite God into every area of our life. But the thing is, we need to be intentional in inviting him into our finances. And the way that we do that is through the tithe. And the tithe is 10% of your income. If you are new and you haven't heard that word before, that's what the tithe is. It's 10% of your increase of your income. And what you do is you give that 10% to God. God blesses us with jobs. He blesses us with skills. He blesses us with giftings to be able to do what we do. And all he asks for is the 10%. And why does he ask for the 10%? It's not because he needs your 10%. God has more than enough. But what that 10% does is it opens the door of your finances and gives God access to bring your provision into you. It's not about what he's taking. God is not taking 10%. God is asking you to trust him with that. And even in Malachi, he says to us, now try me in this. There is no other place in scripture where God invites us to say, come on, I dare you. I dare you. 
That's what he's saying. And he's saying, try me now in this and see that I will not open up the windows of heaven to you and pour out such a blessing on you that you will not be able to contain it. Amen. Amen? That is a good promise. Amen. So because we are hearing the things going on in the world's economy, I felt like God was saying we need to declare and remind ourselves of the kingdom economy. And when we are tithers, we tie ourselves to the kingdom economy. That means God's provision. It doesn't matter how much gas costs. I can tell you this. We used to have a harder time paying 99 cents for diesel. We had to choose, and there may be people in here right now in this place. You have to choose whether or not you put $10 of fuel in your vehicle, which right now will get you a block. (laughs) Anyway, if you put $10 of fuel in your vehicle and $10 for groceries, been there, done that. And it was harder then to come by that $10 then for 99 cents for diesel than it is now because we are practicing and constantly reminding ourselves this is what God says and this is his provision for us. Amen? So if you got one of these gray cards, I want to invite you to get it out. If you didn't, what we're going to do is we are going to declare this over our finances this morning. And if you didn't get one, then I'm going to read it. And then you repeat after me. But when we declare, we're serious about it. So I want to invite you to stand because I feel like when I pray and I stand, I'm like, I'm serious about this and I'm not messing around. So (laughs) I invite you to stand. So this is what the card says. And I invite everybody to pick one up on the way out. Can you hold this for me, babe? It says, so I'm going to read it, and then you repeat after me. Say, you are Jehovah Jireh, the Lord my provider. You are more than enough in every area and every season of my life. I overflow with abundance because my trust is in my God. God is extravagant in his ways towards me. God, thank you for your abundant provision. God, thank you for your endless supply. I have no fear of the future. My trust is in you. I am filled with a generous spirit that flows from my heart. I am a tither and a joyous giver. The windows of heaven are open to me. Blessings are being poured out more than I can contain. I prosper in every season as my soul trusts in you, Lord. I am protected on every side. My trust is in you. My finances are not limited or dictated by the world's economy. I am a tither. Therefore, my finances and provision are connected to heaven's economy. So right now, I want you to put your hand on your phone or your pocket, wherever, whatever you would attach to your bank account. 
And Father, I thank you and I declare in the name of Jesus Christ that the family of N3C is directly connected to kingdom, heaven, provision. We are not limited. We are prosperous. We are not fearful. We are hopeful. We will not pull back. We will press forward into what you have for us. Our businesses are growing. Our households are taken care of. And we are blessed to be a blessing in every area of our lives. And fear has no hold on us. In Jesus' name, amen. Wow, that's good stuff. Good stuff. All right, you can sit down if you want to. Um, what? Oh, I gave it to Royce. <clears throat> so how y'all doing this morning? That was weak. I mean, we're talking Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, week. How y'all doing this morning? All right, there you go. That's better. Well, it's good to see you guys this morning. My name is Darren Gleghorn. I'm the lead pastor here at Cowboy Church, and, and we, got a, we got a great service for you this morning. Um, one of my friends is here. Two of my friends is here. You're one flesh, so you're one. Um, but um, I met Johnny Rowlett uh, 25 years ago. It was the same conference, minister's conference, that I met Lynette at. I married her. I didn't you. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, Absolutely. Um, anyways, I, I met Johnny 25 years ago and, and, um, man, um, met him and we really didn't have a connect. I mean, a big connect or anything like that. I knew him, he knew me, all that kind of stuff. And then God, a few years ago at our church picnic over in Windsor, um, he and his wife were there. They showed up, uh, because I think cause we had branded in, didn't we, uh, to do music over there. So. I got to reconnect with, the, uh, with Johnny and his wife, Gail, and um, since then, there is a brotherhood that has formed between you and I, and, and um, it, is, it is such an honor to have the Rowlets here, and um, I, I'm taking up his time, but the fact of the matter is, Johnny, I love you. I, I thank you guys for what you guys do and, and how you've impacted our lives over the years. So with that, uh, would you all give a Cowboy Church welcome to Johnny Rowlett? Good morning. Come on. I'm okay. All right. You guys already been through this. All right. I still got my wallet in my hand. Yes, I need that. Thank you, babe. This is my beautiful bride, Gail. Y'all say good morning to her as she sits down as fast as she can. I, uh, it is it's just such an honor to be here. I love coming here. I love this house, but I love your pastors. We have developed a really great friendship and, and I just, uh, he's a special guy to me. He's a special, he's somebody that I just honor and respect. I just, uh, is even just back in the back just now, just talking to my mom. I like, I want to sit down with you and just talk about theology and the word and dig down deep. And we both came come from a similar background in our belief system we're both uh kind of were ordained through a guy named glenn smith who's the uh some of you know as the cowboy apostle who's the kind of the guy that started uh cowboy ministry as we know it today and uh and and uh glenn was a different kind of character you know and we we all find our own personalities in it but boy he was a tough post texas uh, uh, that, which is, 
y'all don't know where Post, Texas is, but I'm from Tuya, Texas. Post is right down the road. It's West Texas. And most guys that are from West Texas are hard, hard cowboys like you guys this morning. That's the way you're looking at me. Good. It's good. So I, I just find that uh, it's just interesting that, that this gentleman right here is not a hard guy. Right? He's not a hard, angry guy. And I'm not a hard, angry guy. It's amazing that even though somebody that we came out of or came from uh, was a certain temperament and a certain personality, that all of us fit into a kingdom just the way that you are. And I just, for some reason, that's just been heavy on my heart this morning, that he's the father needs us all. We're all a part of this deal together. Don't think that you're alone. Don't think that you have to be a certain way, especially in the cowboy world. I don't know what it is about cowboys, but you people just think you got to act a certain hard. You know, like you, you ever seen, like, you go to rodeos and, you know, man, you, where are you guys this morning? You just, you know what I'm saying. You go and they all walk like this. You know what I mean? And it's just, everybody's so angry and so, like, mad and like, where are you going? You know, what's wrong with you? And I feel like sometimes it's it's our heart to come in here and, and put a love in you, put a smile on you, remind you of who Jesus is in your life, remind you of what the Father is all about. And I kind of wanted to start that way this morning. I, I, I want to start with just the definition. I heard uh, Rhett this morning praying, and he uses the words, Father God. And I think sometimes we can just say those kind of words. I'm not saying he did, but, but those are beautiful, amazing two words, Father God. But sometimes we can make that like a religious thing. We just say, Father God, I just thank you for this morning. Father God, I thank you that I woke up. And Father God, I thank you that the sun is up. And Father God, Father God, Father God. And we lose track of the beauty and the power of Father God. Father literally means Born forth from. Come on. Born coming forth from is what the Father means. I'm, I, was little, I literally was brought forth from, and then you add God, the source of life. Now you put those two together. I was brought forth from the Father of life. And we need to be reminded of that's what this is really all about. That's what this, it's all about. That's what my message title this morning actually is, is it's not about you. I couldn't believe it when you said that. I was like, I, I was just so honored when you said, we didn't talk. I didn't know you were going to say that. The message title this morning is, it's not about you. Well, I know that's hard to, because to, I know I, I said in the back, there was, what's that the young man's name that was here? Trace. Trace was sitting here, and he came in the back, and he just happened to walk in when he heard me say, it's all about me. And <laughs> you can see the confusion on his face. But uh, it's all about me. But no, it, that's, that's my heart is it's not about you. It's about Father God. So I'm just going to pray this morning, and we're just going to kind of just settle in our spirits right now. We're just going to open up our heart and open up our mind to receive this morning from Father God. Father, we just thank you that you're so, so good. We honor you. We worship you. We, 
we just open up our hearts and our minds to receive a word from you this morning. And Father, I thank you that we just lay down everything that's trying to interfere with. We're trying to think about what's after the surface. We're, Father, we're just coming into this place with our presence, coming into your presence. And we say with our mouth and believe in our heart that you are King of kings and Lord of lords. And that you are worthy of our praise. You're worthy of our attention. You're worthy of our attendance. Father, I thank you that this message and this meeting this morning is not about me. It's not about NC3. It's not about, it's about you, Father. And I pray that every, we know, I just know and I'm so excited to know that we serve God, the Father, God, the Son, and God, the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit is right now entering into men and women's mind in this room and and allowing us to drop whatever issues that we might have carried in here and you're going to minister to us right where we are and minister life and that more abundantly in jesus name amen 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 i'm gonna do something this morning i've been been going pretty hard uh and I, I kind of been, my throat's been kind of sore, and I, I was thinking about not singing it, a, a song or two, but um, but I thought, I want to do a song that's so out of my character, and so uh, out of my, it, you you would know when I sing this song, that I'm doing what I can to be humble. Because <laughs> this ain't me, man. This ain't my kind of music. This ain't, I'm, I am putting myself out on the plate for y'all just to beat up. If, if, you want, if you've got stones, please put them under your chairs right now. I, I got this song that I thought, man, I, I got I to gotta try this song. I got to do this song. I, when I was a kid, I was uh, 15. I saw your sign in the back. So I'm kind of going off the cuff here. And it says, do not, in essence, don't, don't belittle yourself for being young. Right? I was 15 years old. And I, uh, my, for my birthday, my mother got me a tape. Not CDs, tapes. Hmm. Amen. Did somebody say amen? Okay. Uh, I got a tape. And the tape was from a band called Petra. It's a rock and roll band, right? Come on. Don't clap for them. I don't know. Rock and roll people. No, I'm just kidding. I was a country guy. I'm a George Strait guy. I'm a, that's not, I'm a, I'm a George Jones. I, I'm a, I'm a traditional country. That's my heart. That's my, I love country music. But this, this Petra song, this tape came out. I'm like, hmm, that's, that's pretty good music right there. But I was, as I was listening to the tape, there was one song in particular that, that spoke to my heart so strong. And in essence, what it says is, it was the first time, there's two things that happened when I was listening to it. It was the first time in my life that I found out that you could put Jesus into music. I had never thought about that. The only kind of mu- Christian music I ever heard was like, you know, well, back then we had Maranatha a little bit, but we had hymns. That was pretty much it. And not, not that there's anything wrong with that, but I heard rock music and they put Jesus in the music. And I'm sitting there at 15 years old going, 
mind blown. Wait a minute. You could take music about Jesus and put it into, I could do that with George Strait music. Literally, I, that's what my mind was thinking. Okay, so I started read, taking all the George Strait songs that I knew and changing all the words over to about Jesus. And I started singing those, all because of Petra. And then I found out one day, that's illegal. <laughs> that was kind of a hard lesson to go through. <laughs> so, so I started, I started writing my own song and got my first anointing, right? But my, my, the other thing that happened when I was listening to that, can I have a little bit more mic? Cause I feel like I'm screaming cause I can't hear myself very well. I'm sorry. Um, uh, I, the other thing that happened was this song was about, it's called looking through rose colored stained glass windows, never allowing the world to come in. Seeing no evil and hearing no pain makes the life that comes from within so dim. And what I started to realize is that the way that I saw church is that's kind of like our club. You know, and nobody really understands. And, and we're going to come in here. We're going to, and, and I, don't, I don't know if you've ever come into a church, maybe before you were saved, and it felt weird. Have you ever had that happen? Like, I don't know, I don't fit in right here. I don't feel comfortable right here. I, I don't know what they're going to do. Are they going to stand up, sit down, make up your mind? Everybody's going up and down. I mean, all these kinds of, you know, and then I, there's all these rules and regular, I don't know what's going on. And, and I kind of had that feeling about churches that, that we kind of did our own thing and we kept the world out. And for the first time in my life, the Lord ministered to me about evangelism. And at 15 years old, I got a vision for evangelism. And I, uh, I wanted to sing this song for you guys this morning and kind of stir your heart up uh, for the same thing. Hold on, baby. Don't. My wife's going to play it, and then I'm not going to. Uh, <laughs> I just, boy, I just pray. And it is, it's rock and roll. So y'all that don't like rock and roll, just... Uh, you know, tell your, tell your, tell your, tell your pastor. Because I don't, I don't know. Okay, let's try it. <laughs> this is so weird for me to do this. I just wanted to minister to you this morning the way it did to me at 15 years old. Thank you, man. Wow, that's so kind. <laughs> All right, come on. Here we go. Let's fill this house with music. Let's get this music up. Let's get the, let's fill it up. Come on. A little bit more music, please. Another sleepy Sunday safe within the walls. Outside a dying world in desperation calls. But no one hears the cries or no
Stained glass windows, never allowing the world to come in. Seeing no evil and feeling no pain, making the life that would come from within so dear, so dear. Come on, hey! somebody say, That's so weird. Y'all got y'all. That's so good. Back there, not standing at all. I'm not bitter. That's okay. We'll have a good time this morning. This is about the house of God where anybody's welcome in this house. Come on. Somebody say, Welcome. Welcome. All right, come on. Let's sing it again. a hospital. You come in here, you grow, you heal, you learn who is Jesus, the King of Kings, and the Lord of Lords is in this house. Amen. Good job. Let's pray it out. Everybody's tired. (laughs) Isn't that good? Come on, that's good stuff. So what do you guys think of your church, Petra? (laughs) <laughs> I don't think I can do any more music. I think I'm toasted right there. Actually, I do I do want to sing one more. And this is a, a song. I, I, I wanted to sing my own song. Now I feel guilty because I didn't write either one of these songs. And <laughs> But I, I just, uh, it's second anointing. It's okay. Second's not last. It's just the first last. <laughs> Who was, how would, what was that movie about the, the, you know, Talladega Nights? Yeah, I can't believe y'all watched that. <laughs> I want to say a special good morning to, to one of my absolute closest friends, Rod Nestor back there. Everybody look at him making him feel really uncomfortable. He's the guy with the white hair right there. <laughs> You're, a, I just, everybody just stare at him. Yeah. <laughs> His uh, son, Trey, right there, they have Nestor Trucking there in uh, Fort Morgan, Colorado, and they, uh, they, we stay at their house whenever we come in the area, and he's one of my best friends, and I just honor him and love him, and this morning I woke up and he, and uh, go in the house, and he's got coffee being made for me, and we just sat together and just fellowship together, and it just means a lot to have a brother, and, uh to be here this morning with me, and I just love you, and I just want to embarrass you in front of everybody, so that's good. 
y'all, we talked about uh, branded. <clears throat> branded uh, Paul Staggs is one of my musical heroes. He is a uh, he's a genius songwriter, and he wrote a song based on a truth in his life that was a very difficult thing, and. And I'm sure he told that story here about his daughter. And his daughter was, uh, had, was dealing with drugs and was on the streets. And, and one of the things I thought was so powerful is he, he gives, a, gives a story about when he got the call that she had been arrested. And it was the first night in months that he had slept. Because he was so up all night long, always worried about getting the call that she had been killed or something had happened to her. And the fact that he knew that she was, can you imagine being so tormented that finding out that she was arrested helped you find peace? And I think there's people here that have dealt with those kinds of issues, but I I started to think about this song. I asked Paul, I said, can I sing that song? Because there's more, the song's name is Lay It Down. And there's more to laying it down and it's going to enter into my message that it's going to kind of roll right in it there's more to lay down i think sometimes it's easy to be on this side of that story and think you know well that's them you know i don't really have a drug issue or i don't have you might not you might not have an alcohol issue or a or pornography issue or or you know any uh, maybe not even an addiction issue maybe there's not maybe that's not an issue in your life but what i find is that we as christians have made this walk that's supposed to be about jesus we've made it all about ourselves and we've turned this into a religion Instead of a, an understanding, and I've, I've turned, somehow I've turned, come on, listen to this. This is a, I, I'm wanting to say this in love this morning. I even wore my, my grandpa shirt this morning, so I look a little bit more, like I'm loving y'all. You know, I'm, I'm a, I am a grandpa now, so I can tell you some hard truths, right? Because I've even got my glasses in my pocket like my grandpa. So just just think old Grandpa Johnny is in the house this morning, you know? Just going to lay down some truth for you. Here's the deal. Somehow we made this walk into being about what I can get from Jesus rather than what he's turning me into. Let me take you, let me show you a little bit deeper. Somehow I turned this into that I'm going to go to heaven someday. How many of y'all are going to heaven? How many of y'all know that's a great thing? But how many of you know that that's not the main reason Jesus came? He didn't come. Jesus, obviously, that's a, that's a, that's a gift. That's a free, that's a free, that's, that's a blessing. That's on top of everything else he did. What he really came to do was to restore you to Father God. And then, to be absent from the body is present with the Father, right? And now, we'll get into that a little bit more, but what I want this morning, as we just sing this song, I want you just to think about what it is maybe possibly in your life that you have, that you are holding onto, anger, hurt, something that if, if you really think about the life and the death of Jesus... And all that he gave 
for us. All the opportunity that he's provided for us. If you brought that to Jesus, would he see that as important to hold on to? This morning, I just, I, my heart is, it's, it's time that we lay it down. Thank you, Father. I just pray that people receive this. Thank you, Father. When he came in Sunday morning, he still smelled like Friday night. His eyes, they burned like fire each time he looked into the light. Then he came up to the altar before the preacher ever start. Laid a bottle on the pew beside the visitation cards. Then he looked up to the heaven, then he said, if I do this anymore, Lord, I'll be dead. Come on. He laid it down. He let it go. Threw his hands up to surrender to the Lord. He lived his life on the run. He's taking all the chances now he's done Cause he laid it down And let it go Come on, let's just let it go this morning That thing that was caused you so much pain and hurt It's time to let it go when she came down from the choir loft, the preacher stopped and stared. He never dreamed that he'd look up and see her standing there. Then she reached into her purse and grabbed a tiny plastic bag and laid it on the altar with the needle that she had. Then she looked up to the heavens and she said, If I do this anymore, Lord, I'll be dead. She laid it down, let it go. Threw her hands up to surrender to the Lord. She lived her Taking all the chances Now she's done She laid it down And let it go Before I stop this song and walk away Listen Don't put off till tomorrow What you need to do today Thank you, Father Come on Just lay it down Let 
to go Throw your hands up to surrender to the Lord Cause he don't care where you've been He's open up your heart and let him in Come on, lay it down Let it go You can let it go Amen Amen <laughs> I just got a few minutes left this morning And I just want to speak just something short Direct To your heart I just pray that you receive it and that you just allow yourself. Here's the truth. Don't take my word for this. The word says that you're supposed to study. You're supposed to take the stuff that pastors bring to you on a Sunday morning. And a lot of times what we do is we just take that and we just move on with our week. What you're supposed to do is do it like a cow does. Take that thing home, chew on it. Come on, swallow it, spit it back up. <laughs> uh, I'm painting a good picture, right? Chew on it some more, get in and swallow it, bring it back up, chew on it some more, bring it, come on, and just get on that cud until you get every ounce of nutrient that you can possibly get out of that thing. That's the, that's the heart of the pastor is that you, that you study, that you dig, that you find out what the Lord's been showing you. Lately I've been doing on, I'm on Facebook. If you guys would like to follow us, uh, I know most people don't even do Facebook anymore, but uh, I do a short word on Facebook every morning or well, Tuesday through Friday. And I'm on episode like 750 or something like that. We've done a 750 mornings. Uh, in the last four or five years, and it's just been the revelation that the Lord's just been ministering to me has just changed my life. I want to say this to you in, a, in as much grace as I can, that I'm not here this morning to preach down to you. I'm not here this morning to preach something to you that I've got figured out. And then I'm telling you how to live your life. This is what's happening in my life. That the Holy Spirit has been impacting and changing my life. Even at 53 years old, I'm still learning. I'm still growing. And the revelation from the Word is, I've, I'm, I'm just blown away at the life of the Word of God. And what, what's happening is, the, as the Holy Spirit's ministering to me, I'm going to the Word for me. And as I'm getting something, I'm thinking, wow, this might minister to somebody else. So I'm coming to you today, instead of preaching at you, I'm sharing something from my heart. Are y'all with that? Okay. All right. Amen. Thank you for that one clap. I love it. Come on. This going, I'm going to do this quick. Thank you, Father. I'm going to start off with this idea. First of all, I want you to understand where this all started. We, we all know this started with Adam and Eve. 
right? But I'm going to give you a different perspective on Adam and Eve. We all know the whole story. Eve ate of the apple and Adam was mad at her. <laughs> this woman that you gave me, right? But that's really, there's something so much more beautiful and deeper that happened. And, and, and in essence, I'm just kind of paraphrase and get through this. But in essence, what happens is that when they ate, when she ate of the apple, the very first thing is, Satan was there to trick her. And because she didn't know the word, if you, if you realize what, what God said actually is do not touch of the, of, uh, do not eat, well, yeah, do not eat of the apple. Right? That's what the, that's what God actually says is do not eat of the apple. I'm trying to go quicker so I don't have it in my word, but that's what the word said. What the Lord said is don't eat of that tree, the tree of life, right? Then when she, when they, when Satan starts to tempt her, what does he say to her? No, the Lord, the Satan, what, the, I mean, yeah, he said that too, but the Lord said, I mean, the, the Satan said to her, do not touch or eat of the word. And that's not what God said at all. So here she is, what? Touching the apple. And God, and, and the point was, is if you ate of the apple, you will surely what? Die. Die. And here she is touching it, and she's not dead. So in her mind, she's already found out that in, in the way the enemy works is he's a deceiver. And he's wanting her to, because she didn't really know the covenant and understand what God had said and why he had said it. So he's coming like a slithering snake to lie to you and deceive you. And because she didn't know the word, she was she fell into the trap. Well, what's interesting is they're walking around in the garden and what do we, they're naked, right? All this time, they're naked. We put some, put some country on it. They were naked. <laughs> they're walking around naked. And what's powerful is as soon as they ate of the apple, for the first time, what they do? They look down. They notice that they're naked. This is the implication of that. They'd been naked. All this time they've been naked, but they never noticed their dirt. They never noticed the outside because the outside isn't who you are. The outside is the covering. It's just a dirt covering of who you really are is a spirit man. Right? But we're covered in dirt. Matter of fact, there's white dirt and red dirt and yellow dirt and black dirt, brown dirt. It's just all dirt. And for the first time, they started putting more focus on the dirt instead of who they are, which is the breath of God on the inside of the dirt. And we've been focused on the dirt ever since. So then the next thing they do is what sin does when, when, so, when you fall into something, the, the number one thing the enemy does is bring shame into your life. And what does shame do? Covers you up. So they start taking fig leaves and they, they're covering up this dirt that isn't even who they are and doesn't even matter. But now all of a sudden we're like, oh my goodness, we're naked. And they're covering themselves with fig leaves. That's what shame does. It makes you cover. Yeah. Come on. Yeah. 
And then, so the next thing they do is then they go and they hide from the Father. That's what shame does. Sin makes you full of shame, and shame will hide you from Father God. Next thing you know, the Father's walking in the garden and asks the question, where are you? He knew where they were. And they say, and this is when the famous line is, we, we, we sinned, and, and, and Adam says, this woman that you gave me, right? <laughs> That's men. All the, never mind. Okay. We'll just leave that right there. Oh, women, don't clap. You're just, oh, come on. <laughs> and the, this, is, this, is, this is the most beautiful, powerful part. We sinned, is what Adam said. And the father asked him, who told you that you sinned? Who told you that you should hide from me? Who told you that you should walk in shame? Who told you that your past makes you some, somebody that needs to hide from me? Who told you that you're a di- uh, somebody that deals with addiction? Who told you that you're a liar? Who told you that you're a thief? Who told you that you got anger all over you? Who told you that you'll never amount to anything? Who told you? Who told you that lie? You know what? Why don't you believe what I say about you instead of what he says about you? And then it gets all the way down to generations, and you ask this question. Why don't you just believe what my son says about you instead of what you say about you? We're so busy defining ourselves by our past, by our hurts, by our shame, by our pain, and we lose track of what he said about me. And what he says about me always is more true that what I think about myself and my past. And my whole life is about starting to believe that I am who he says I am. That's, that's, that's maturity. That's growth. You're, the whole point that Jesus is trying to get you to do is believe him. Can you just believe? I came and gave my life. You're the righteousness of Christ. You're sons and daughters of the living God. And you're so busy hating yourself, you have a struggle of believing. Come on. What's interesting, just a side note, you know, that sin, sin enters into the world, and and God sends them out of the garden and puts two cherub and lights there. And we, we all know that story, but what's... What people forget is I always had the mentality that God booted them out out of the garden and said, you're on your own. Go deal with life. You made made your bed now. Right? You know that's a lie from the enemy? That's that's a saying from the world. You made your bed and a lie in it? That's not God. God is you made your bed. Let me redeem your bed and let me give you the bed you're supposed to have. Come on. All of that, all of the sayings that we grew up with, you get what you, no you don't, you get what he bought and paid for with his blood, come on. And I saw, always had a mentality, God boot them out of, the, out of the garden, right, and then they're on their own. 
Did you know that the word, if you read the rest of the story, that God went and, and sacrificed animals for Adam and Eve, he did it, and then took the leather or took the, the skins of the animals and clothed, or a better word, come on, he covered them. Even in their sin, even in their failure, even in their mistake, even there is consequences for, for our actions, for sure. But even in those consequences, the Father says, I'll never leave you or forsake you. And even Adam and Eve, Father covers them. Come on, man, that's so good. That's so good. I quickly want to move forward. And I want to show you a portion of the scripture. Let's, if we've got, can we do scripture? I didn't give you the scripture, but I, I just believe in you. You're going to follow along. You're so awesome. Is it already 1020? All right, well, good night. Thanks for coming. Yeah, I'm just, let's just finish this thought. I'm just going to try to go as quickly as I can here. John the Baptist is out and he's proclaiming the coming King Jesus. He's in the wilderness. He's a crazy man, covered in honey, eating locusts. He's just a camel hair, wearing itchy camel clothes. I mean, come on. Can you picture it? And he's baptizing people. And he's saying, the soon coming King is coming, Jesus. And guess what? Jesus shows up. And John sees them from afar. Watch this. John sees them from afar. And John says, behold, the Lamb of God that takes away the sins of the world. Amen. Calls it just like it is. That's the truth. And then takes him and baptizes Jesus. And doesn't even want to. And Jesus says, no, you, you don't understand. This is the process. I know I'm God, but I'm also fully man. Ooh, you, you need to be baptized too. If Jesus is, if it was right for Jesus, it's right for you. So John the Baptist baptized Jesus. Jesus comes out of the water and a voice from the heaven says, behold, this is my son. This is my son. Come on. Father God, this is my son in whom I'm well pleased. If you read the rest of that, it says right after they got done, the, the Holy Spirit came and, and, and like a dove and came into Jesus and remained. Woo, that's just a whole other message that I don't have time for. And then the next part of the scripture is Jesus is taken into the wilderness to fast and to be tempted by who? Satan. You know why he put himself in that position to be tempted? First of all, I want you to understand how fast that happened. Baptism, go into the wilderness to, be, to, to fast and to be baptized. I mean, to, uh, to be tempted. You know why he needed to be tempted? Because he has to go through everything you could possibly go through. And he needed to go through temptation as well. Come on. And he's 40 days fasting. And we think, well, he's Jesus. He's, he could do that. He's a man. He's also fully man. And 40 days of fasting will make one week. Correct? And he's at his lowest humanity moment. And Satan comes to him to tempt him. And what are the first words out of Satan's mouth? If you are the son of God. 
He just was baptized. And God says, that's my son. And Satan is coming after Jesus's identity. And if you think that Satan is coming after Jesus's identity, I guarantee you he's coming after yours too. And Jesus, he says, if you are the son of God, turn all these, he's hungry, turn all these stones into loaves and eat. You know what I really believe, honestly, is that if he wanted to, he could have. And it's still gone on with the mission. That's the reason why it was a temptation. You know why he didn't? Because you couldn't. There's going to be times in your life when you're going to be facing hard things in your life and you can't just turn stones into bread. Come on. And you have to overcome by the word of your testament. Oh, man. So what does Jesus say in response to that moment? Jesus says to him, for it is written. So in other words... He quoted the word. Come on. What I'm really getting to is this powerful point moment right here. Then John the Baptist, what I think is just so fascinating, is that John has been waiting on Jesus and proclaiming that he's coming all of these years, right? He comes. And then Jesus goes one way and John goes the other. Man, y'all just staring at me like a calf at a new gate. You think about, I've been waiting for you. I've been preaching about you coming. I've been telling everybody about you coming. And then you come and I'm like, okay, see you later. Wouldn't you just pick up your stuff and like, hey man, where are you going? I'm on your team now. Woo, come on. But he doesn't. He goes and keeps, what's the next meeting supposed to be? Does his message change? Think about it. There, he's, he's over, he's here. Everybody, the Messiah's here. He's two towns over. <laughs> Come on, y'all don't even. His mess up his whole meetings. He's now he's got, he's been baptizing like 13,000 people a day. And now he's got like two. <laughs> it messed up his ministry. How dare you, Jesus, mess up my ministry. Oh, okay, whatever. So the next thing you hear, this is so, is John's in prison. Come on, follow me. I'm almost done. Just, just get this right here. John is now in prison, and he's about to have his head taken from him. So in other words, and back then, this is not like our prison system. This isn't three, uh, a cot and three square meals, right? This is a dungeon that John is in, and his life is miserable. His circumstances have eroded around him to where he's in pure, absolute agony and misery. And in that moment of your circa, his circumstances changing, he grows weak and weary. And he gathers his disciples that come to his prison cell, and he says, go ask Jesus, are you the one? Boy, let that sink in. Let's just process that. Have you ever been in a place in your life 
where you've been serving him, where you've been worshiping him, where you go to church every time the doors are open, but something happens, some storm comes, some horrible moment happens, and the first thing you start doing is questioning, are you really who you say you are? And so interesting, so the disciples go to Jesus, and they say, John wants us to ask you, are you really the one? This is, this is where I... This is, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to stop it right here. I've got a whole bunch more, but I'm done. Because this I think this makes my point. In Matthew chapter 11, verses 1 through 11, that's where that story was. But go on, let's go. I wanted to show you why John, why John thought possibly that Jesus might that he might have been wrong about Jesus. His circumstances got hard. He wavered in his faith. And so he started, he, he's thinking about a certain scripture. And I want to show it to you. It's in Matthew chapter 3. I mean, Malachi chapter 3. Malachi chapter 3. I don't have time to put it on the screen. Go home and study this. Malachi chapter 3 talks about and speaks about the, the soon incoming Messiah and the way that he was going to come in. He's going to come in with a sword. He's going to come in like a mighty warrior. He's going to come in and strike down. He's going to come in and beat up. He's going to come in and take back Israel from the Romans. He's going to come in and, and put their faces in the dirt. That's the way that John thought, and come on, watch this. That's the way all the Pharisees thought. They thought John was coming in like a guy in the word that's not, that you have to know the history of the word. There's a story that all the Jewish people follow to this day. Y'all have heard of the story called Hanukkah, correct? Hanukkah is a story about a man named Maccabees. And Maccabees came in at a time, and he was like a savior to the Jewish people. And the Greeks had come in and was running the rampant in their cities. And, and Maccabees came in with a sword and took back the sovereign nation of Israel. And so from that point on, the Jews thought, that's how the Messiah is coming back. Because here we find ourselves under the tyranny of Rome. And Jesus is coming back with a sword. And now John's in prison. And he's hearing about Jesus. And Jesus is over here loving people. <laughs> healing them. Making blind eyes see. Come on. Feeding people. And John's like, this is not fitting into my religious understanding of how Jesus is supposed to look. I still to this day believe that the reason the Pharisees hung him on a cross is because they did, he did not fit into the way they thought in their religiousness that he would be an act. And then he called himself God. That's a whole different Come on. So because John is thrown off by the way he's acting, he's questioning. So they ask him, John the Baptist wants to know, are you really the Messiah? And this is Jesus' answer. And I am going to have you pull this scripture up. This is in Isaiah chapter 29, 
19. Let's start in, uh, I think it's 18 and 19. I'm not sure. Let's look. Come on. It's 1030. We got, we're supposed to be done. But I'm just walking this out. I just want to show you this. Are y'all ready? She's getting it up. Give her some time. I could just read it to you. It's in the Word. You know it's all in here, right? Okay, watch. For wickedness burns as fire, it shall devour the briars. And uh, wait, it's, it's Isaiah chapter 29. I'm sorry. Isaiah chapter 29. But that's good scripture too. You can read that too. <laughs> Isaiah chapter 29, verse 18. Isaiah chapter 29, verse 18. You got your Bibles? Does anybody want to? It's this really weird quiet time. Everybody's just staring at me. There it is. Watch. Watch this, guys. Come on. Jesus turns to the disciples and tells them, go back and tell the disciples that the deaf hear. The blind eyes are open. This is, this is what Jesus said in Matthew. And what, what nobody understands is Isaiah prophesied that Jesus would come and he would, and that day the deaf shall hear the words of the book and the eyes of the blind shall see out of the obscurity and out of the darkness. Next verse, 19. The humble also shall increase their joy in the Lord and the poor among them will rejoice in the Holy One of Israel. Jesus literally quotes this scripture. And he's telling him, go back and tell John that the blind eyes are being opened, that deaf ears are, people are hearing again, that the poor are becoming, are being taken care of, that the hungry are being fed. And he's not, he's not rebuked. If it were me and I was Jesus, I'd be like, how dare you ask me? Weren't you the one that baptized me? Weren't you the one that said, behold, the Lamb of God that takes away the sins of the earth? I, I think I would be just upset about that. But Jesus doesn't. Jesus answers with, John, I know you think I'm coming like Malachi 3 said, but I'm, you forgot about Isaiah chapter 29 that said, this is how I would come. Come on. Come on. The whole thing is here. The disciples come back to John the Baptist in prison. And he says, he quoted Isaiah chapter 29. Right? He said the blind eyes are seen and deaf are being healed and the hungry's getting fed. And, and I can just see John go, oh, man. Come on, this is where I was going. Over. I, I've made this about me. I've made this whole thing about the way I want Jesus to be. I've made this whole, I've made, I've been proclaiming him and being in the desert. And I've, I had a preconceived idea about how Jesus would act and respond and be and how he would do. And all those kinds of, all those, I have those thoughts in my head. And I put that on Jesus. And Jesus said, no, you missed me completely. 
I'm not coming in like you want me to come in. I'm coming in to reveal to them the Father. And the Father, if they, if you read the scriptures, Jesus literally is praying to the Father one day and says, they don't even know you, Father. Because they think that he's a wrathful, angry, distant, punitive God. And Jesus is coming and saying, that's not him at all. You know who God is? You know who God the Father is? He's the one that heals the blind, opens deaf ears, feeds the poor, and loves people. And somehow he made it him and his biblical knowledge. And Jesus said, I'm not coming like you want me to come. I'm coming like the Father wants me to come because it's this. Get, this is it. I'm closed right here. You know what God, Jesus, really came for? So that we can go back into the garden naked. I'm not talking about physical. Keep your clothes on. What is, what is God restoring unto us? Come on, watch this. What did, what did God say? He, that if you ate of this apple, you will surely... Did they die? No, but they lost a spiritual relationship with the Father, and they were booted out of the garden. Jesus came back, and he says, I've come to give you what? Life. And he brings them, he brought us back into the garden. And now... We're back to where Adam was because the Bible says that Jesus was the last Adam and he's restored unto us what we lost through the first Adam, which is what? Kingdom relationship, whereby we're walking in the garden again. And watch this. What nakedness stands for, there's nothing between me and the Father. And I'm transparent. And here I am. So I just want you to know That if you're here this morning and you're walking in your past and you're walking in shame and guilt for some of the things you've done and that somehow you've locked yourself up and you think in your mind, oh, I'm just, I'm such a sinner. I'm a sinner. I, even this little statement, I'm a sinner saved by grace. No, you're not. You were. But now, you're the righteousness of Christ. You're sons and daughters of the living God. And he's restored unto you what Adam lost. And that's walking and talking with Father God. Supernatural kingdom relationship. And if all you ever doing is just going, oh, I'm just such a terrible person. I'm just, I'm just a tick on the back hairs of God. The father's saying, no, you're not. Why do you keep calling yourself by your past mistakes? Why don't you believe what my son says about you? And why don't you believe what I say about you? My son shed his blood. The Bible says that he was marred beyond all recognition so that because of sin, we were without recognition. Come on. Sin covered us. 
And we were, we were recognizable because of sin. So Jesus took our marring so that he was unrecognizable. So that when he come out of the grave, he took your sin, right? So that now you're clean and you're whole and you're recognizable back to the Father. You've been reconciled. You're not your past. You're not your failures. You're not your mistakes. You're not your problems. You're not what your bank account says about you. You're not what your ex-wife said about you. You're not what your, your husband may say about you now. You're not about what your kids think about. You are clean and whole and complete. My heart is, as you pick up your children today, that we don't put our circumstantial religion onto our children, but we spend time just righteously telling them who they are in Christ, that their identity is in Jesus and Jesus alone. And he's restored us to the Father. Father, I just pray for my friends this morning. I thank you for your word. I thank you for truth. I thank you, Lord, that in this life we'll have circumstances that get difficult. We'll have things, sickness, sometimes disease, sometimes things that attack our bodies, things that attack our minds, things that attack our circumstances. There'll be moments in time when, when a horse will step on our foot and mar us, and there'll be times when, when we get hurt and wounded, and there'll be times where brokenness comes, and there'll be, there'll be difficult storms that, that rage against us. And Father, I declare and decree that you have given us the faith to believe that you have overcome the world. And we are not subservient to the circumstances of this life. That we have been made overcomers. And that by your stripes, we've been healed from the inside out. And that healing is not just for our body, but that we can understand and believe and renew our mind to the fact that we have been reconciled to you, Father. We're no longer slaves. We're sons and daughters. Father, I pray for supernatural, just complete revelation to each and every mind in the house this morning that they begin to believe your word over what their circumstances are trying to tell them. Believe your promises over what's going on in their life. That they believe more in who you are than they believe in what's being tried, the lies that are attacking them and what Satan is trying to tell them. We rebuke you, Satan. You're a liar and a thief. You're nothing but trying to devour our relationship and our time with the Father in the garden. Lord, we see it. We believe it. And we stand on it in truth. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Wow, that was good. I like that. You know, this is a time of the service where just like what Johnny said about 
John the Baptist and Jesus. He baptizes Jesus. He comes out of the water, and then Jesus goes this way. But are you going to go this way? Oh, yeah, I heard that story. I heard about Jesus. I heard he died on the cross for my sin. I heard he healed me and delivered me. I heard all those things. So I'm going to go my way. But Jesus asked every one of his disciples. He didn't, he didn't make them walk an aisle, raise a hand, pray a prayer. He said, would you come and follow me? So either today we can be like John the Baptist and just go our way. And it's, it don't mean you're going to hell. Or we can hook our trailer to Jesus and go with him. Because he's saying, will you come and follow me? And that's about hooking your trailer to him and going where he goes. If you've never asked Jesus Christ to be the Lord of your life, right now it's the time to do it. And say yes to him. Because he's asking you. He's asking you, if, if you just get a picture of him hanging there on the cross, he's been beaten beyond the recognition of a man, but his eyes are still looking into your eyes and saying, saying to you, would you come and follow me? Would you come and follow me? If you've never said yes to him, I encourage you to say yes right now. Say yes to me. Maybe you've been following him for a while and and you kind of drifted off a little bit. He's asking you, you, will you come back and follow me? Say yes to him. Amen? Say yes to him. Let me pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you so much. I thank you so much for your son, Jesus. Jesus, I thank you for coming to this earth, dying on a cross, being resurrected from the dead so that we can believe and follow you. So, Father, I pray that if there's anybody in this building saying yes for the first time or somebody online saying yes for the first time, somebody listening to the podcast saying yes for the first time, God, I thank you that their whole being, their feelings, their thinking begins to shift into who you are, Jesus. I thank you and I praise you for each person that says yes is saying yes and has said yes to you. In Jesus' name, amen.